and pro. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It is said that children are a heritage from the Lord. Blessed is the man that has a quiver full of them. Well, in today's market out there among children, a man that has a quiver full might actually just be quivering in his boots because he realizes that the time that we are in is so unbelievably stressful uh, for parents, for parenting. The uh, confrontations are continuous, uh, whether it's in our schools. We used to be able to trust our kids, or thought we at least could, back when I was growing up, to uh, the teachers in our schools and to the Sunday school teachers in our churches. And today we find that it's very difficult to trust anybody, anywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're in the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church or no church. Trust has fallen on very hard times in terms of parents' ability to find a place to help them in raising up their children. Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at that by a uh, a gentleman who's been around for a long time in youth ministry. And uh, before he joins us, I want to read uh, from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is talking about our times. In fact, how in the world could he have known how to so accurately portray our times? But listen to his description. Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, believe it or not, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of the, thereof from those such as those turn away, the Apostle Paul said. Well, how do you turn away from all the? This is our world. This is an accurate description of the environment of your children and my grandchildren. I had three daughters growing up. I have 10 grandchildren and one great-grandchild now. It doesn't mean I've achieved greatness. In fact, the responsibilities increase. Once you have been a parent, you're always a parent. That's right. Even if your children are grown, you're always a parent. God is always a parent, too. That's why he's called Father. Mm Mm-hmm. Father. And he wants us to understand him as a father. That we need to be chastised, we need to be corrected, we need to be disciplined in righteousness. That we might be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I have a question for you before we bring on our guest today. Are your children or grandchildren ready for the coming of Christ? Now, I'm not talking about uh, whether or not at some point in time they profess Christ as Savior. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about their life. I'm talking about whether they're living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. 
Are they prepared? John, the beloved disciple, said this, Whoever has the hope of the second coming of Christ in him will purify himself even as Christ is pure. Do your children understand that? Are you helping them to understand that? Are your Sunday school teachers or youth leaders helping them to understand that? Or are they just playing games? All today here on Viewpoint, our special guest, Phil Bell, with a magnificent UK accent to warm up a difficult subject. Phil, it's good to have you on the program with your book, The Family Ministry Playbook for Partnering with, partnering with Parents. Good to have you aboard. Great to be here, Chuck. Thank you so much, and I do appreciate that lovely introduction for me. And hopefully my accent is nearly as lovely as you describe it to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're all challenged. Uh, I was on a television program just this morning in Los Angeles uh, that airs across the country, and the talk show host uh, tried to tell me that uh, if if I was born again, that meant I was perfect. Mm. He said, all of us, if we, if we profess to be born again, that means we're perfect. Well, I had to disagree with him in that. Uh, the Apostle Paul didn't think he was perfect. And he said, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't count myself to have already arrived or apprehended. And uh, I guess neither do you, even as a youth pastor, do you? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, And that's one of the things that I think has to be a part of our message um, to the people that we're leading, uh, the kids that we're trying to raise up, is is the importance that we are um, in progress. Um, you know, just to kind of uh, jump on, on, on the back of what you're talking about in terms of um, that, that need to, to look for God for perfection, we're, we're never going to attain it. But like Paul says to Timothy um, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, um, so that everyone may see your progress. Um, not once did Paul say to Timothy, you know, that you're mm-hmm. perfect. And you're trying to be a leader in this world today means that we we pursue progress and it's only by god's Holy spirit transformation in the word right can we make that progress so it's great that, that we start off on that note well we live on in the flesh but we're not supposed to war after the flesh in other words uh, the apostle paul said look uh, I, I have a spiritual battle that i'm raging the thing that i don't want to do i do the thing that i want to do i don't do uh this is a big problem that i'm having to deal with and he talks about the nature of spiritual warfare, but we're in a spiritual warfare as parents, as children, and the spiritual mm-hmm. warfare is not just dealing with transgenderism in the school or whether or not our daughters are going to uh, be in a, a gym class where uh, some boys are going to be showering with them. Uh, they are Those are problems, but those aren't our greatest problems, I think. Our greatest problems are not external but internal. That's right, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that, as a parent uh, now of, of uh, you know, I had a teenage, uh, teenage girl, you know, just to, you know, talk about, you know, teenage girls and the, the, the things that they're having to navigate through. Right. Um, I can try to control as many things as I can, um, you know, in those external uh, situations. I can try to prepare her for the things that she's going to encounter. But the best thing I can do to prepare her for what's going to come her way is for her to be, um, having that right relationship with Jesus, uh, one that is 
founded on his truth, uh, one that is personal, one that she's convicted by, mm-hmm. one that when when things are going uh, in the wrong direction or she's seeing things or experiencing things that are challenging in her life, uh, that she's got that foundation of faith. And um, when she steps out the front door, when she gets into a car as a driver, there's so little that I'm in control of as parents. But I know if she has that foundation of faith um, that is solidly uh, hers, that's going to be what counts. That's what that's what's going to make the difference in her life. Mm-hmm. And as I speak to parents, that's really the the, the, the big message I, I try to get across to people is, yeah, you can try to control as many things as you like, but the best thing you can do is to make the best investment as a parent, which Absolutely. is your, your child's faith journey. And that's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint. Our special guest, uh, Phil Bell, his book, The Family Ministry Playbook, Partnering with Parents, $15 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The euphemisms for spiritual destruction go on and on. It seems as if on our world, particularly in the more liberal and progressive world, there is no end in sight to the perversion of language to twist, to turn, and to grab the control over our children. I have in front of me two reports that came out just today. The first is called Word Manipulation. Here it is. Genital mutilation of kids is now called gender-affirming medical care. Now, what is gender mutilation of kids? Well, it's changing from one sex to another. You have to mutilate the genitals. But now that that has too much of an offense to it, and they want to cast it in a very positive light, as if it's all wonderful, cozy medical treatment. And so they're calling it gender-affirming medical care. Now, in addition to that, another report has stated, ratings are plunging dramatically as kids' TV network goes gay. Some of America's children TV networks have gone homosexual and are losing their audience, according to this report. Nickelodeon's viewership has dropped from 1.3 million average viewers per week in June to a June 2021 average of only 372,000. That is a two-thirds, more than a two-thirds drop in only four years. Why? Well, the forces out there that are raging against our children's moral and spiritual well-being and physical well-being and emotional well-being are intent on twisting, and manipulating the very Word of God, the very principles of the Word of God, in order to take our children to perdition with them. Now, this is dangerous time. No wonder the Apostle Paul called it perilous times, and they're perilous times for parents. 
And so today on Viewpoint with our special guest, uh, Phil Bell, uh, we want to talk a little bit about that and his thoughts concerning what we as parents and grandparents can and should do beyond the usual ho-hum, business-as-usual, shall we say, uh, youth ministry. Business-as-usual youth ministry. Give them a fun time, have them play games together, and we call that discipleship. Is that discipleship, Phil? No, absolutely not. And, you know, as as someone who started out in youth ministry uh, just over 20-something years ago, um, you know, that was very much the uh, the style of what you did for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of young youth pastors starting out, uh, the tendency and, and maybe the temptation is to uh, try to get affirmation from the kids by doing what's fun, by what's accepted, by what's going to get them laugh, what's going to get more kids to show up. Uh, a lot of our churches, you know, we are just by how many kids are showing up. And we think that sometimes it's all about the fun and games. Now, here's what I would say as a youth pastor is, yeah, the fun and games will attract uh, and maybe um, be, the, be the carrot that draws the kids in, but that's not where it can stay. Um, we have to have something of substance. We have to talk about um, real issues with the kids that they're facing and talk about the stuff that they're walking through. Well, the problem, uh, we though, to... the problem is that I see is that we get them in there and then we're afraid to offend them. We don't want to really tell them the truth. We don't want to tell them the truth about holy living. We don't really want to tell them the truth about uh, that they must receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, humble themselves and repent, because we don't want to offend them, because we want to continue to build our ministry and tout ourselves as the greatest youth ministry leader in the world. Right, yeah, absolutely. And I think that is something that is a a temptation for for any leader. You know, this is just not youth pastors. This is the church leaders over over the nation and in in the Mm -hmm, world. Mm Mm-hmm. We uh, we tell people what their uh, what their itching ears want to hear sometimes, and and I think that you know in my in my experience with youth ministry, I have fallen into those traps. I've fallen into those temptations of of, of maybe not saying what's needed to be said. But here's what I discovered um, in my time, um, both as a youth pastor and now as a parent, mm-hmm. um, is that is that when you take time to invest in children, invest in students, when you take time to listen to them understand their hearts, understand what motivates them, and they can look at you and they can see that you truly care about them, uh, you're truly taking time to invest in them. They, they see you as someone that they can trust. And, and I believe, you know, the, the old adage is, and it's so true, is that people don't care what you say so they know that you care about them. Mm-hmm. I really think that is so true for people, but it's particularly true with kids and students. And I think that our ability to speak truth into kids' lives is dependent upon a good relationship, a strong relationship that they can see um, really, truly cares about them. And even when we've got hard things to say, even when they can't perhaps get their head around everything we are sharing them from God's Word, when they can look back at you and say, look, I'm not sure about what that really means. That sounds quite hard to live. That sounds quite hard to believe. Whatever it is, when we've taken time to invest in relationships with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you think about what Paul says, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember where he says this, but maybe you can you can remember this passage where he says, we cared about you so much that we weren't just content to share the gospel with you. We were, we wanted to share our lives as well. Right. Well, we that's exactly what you. Jesus did, isn't it? 
Right. He, he exactly. chose 12. Uh, the Bible says he chose 12 to be with him. But right. it seems to me, uh, Phil, that the trajectory of ministry for the past 50 years has not been with you ministry. It's been do-it-to-you ministry. Absolutely, it's been institutional yeah. do-it-to-you ministry rather than personal do-it-with-you. And uh, we're seeing the uh, terrifying negative fruit coming from that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, here's a good bit of news as I see the landscape starting to change. You know, it's interesting you're talking about these statistics of TV networks that are promoting some some really challenging and difficult things for our kids Mm -hmm. these days. But we're seeing a decline in some of these things because I think they're following the kind of the do-it-to-you kind of mentality. Right. What we're, what we're currently seeing with this current generation of kids, the Generation Z in particular, they've grown up in this um, atmosphere and ability to be able to create their own identity, to create their own channels on social media. And a lot of that is very negative, let me just say that. But mm-hmm. in every step of their life that they're a, a part of right now, they have these um, places where they can build uh, their own identity, build their own brand, create their own uh, structures. And, and they're very much been a generation that have been given the ability to create. And so what I'm starting to see that is a change in the church, and it's happening probably too slow for my liking, is a lot of leaders are seeing these students who want to have ownership of the ministry. They want to be a part of creating the ministry. We have a great opportunity in churches, and we as parents have a great opportunity to come alongside our kids by having the, the with them a mentality of ministry where we come alongside them and say, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to look at this thing together. We're going to look at this passage together. We're going to dive into it together. Mm-hmm. We're going to cha- uh, take on this challenge. We're going to discuss what it really means. You know, we're, we're going to do this together. We're going to create a ministry that invites your friends to something that's real. There's something that's authentic. There's something that's based on truth. Let's talk about how we can create that together. Now, obviously, as a leader, you've still got to have your your focus on God's truth. You know, you're not just going to go along with every idea that a kid comes up in your with in your ministry. As a parent, you're not just going to go along with everything that your kid has as an idea. Mm-hmm. But with Generation Z, thankfully, we do have an opportunity in this generation to come alongside them and change that um, ministry concept of just doing stuff for the kids and entertaining them and, and putting on a show. Right. I agree and with have, that. The, un- the unfortunate problem is that Generation Z has been called the most atheistic uh, generation in the history of America. Right. And you know why I think this is? is because they have grown up being a part of creating of their own reality in many mm-hmm, ways, and mm-hmm. they, they want to be a part of creation. They are tired out and worn out, and quite honestly, they want nothing to do with the, the, the churches and the ministries and the youth programs out there. That All right, now that's an interesting out. question. Uh, I always bring up the question of why. It's not the fact that they don't, it's the why don't they. And one of the Wait. things that uh, that, that uh, brings me to is the fact that for the past, uh, I'd say, 12 years or so, uh, among professing Christian young people, 
Only 20% of them believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. In other words, what they actually are doing is exactly what you're saying, but in a very negative Mm -hmm. way. They're actually creating their own gospel. That's exactly what Satan urged Eve to do in the garden. And our kids are succumbing to it, and we think and have rationalized that because they're in church or because they believe in God, that somehow we're winning the game. No, we're losing the game. We're actually losing it at its most fundamental place, and uh, that concerns me deeply. What say you? Right, absolutely. And I think that that's where, as parents, as church leaders, as people that get to be in churches and influence um, what is happening, that's where we need to say, look, the idea that we can entertain kids and do everything for them and tell them what they need to believe is, is, is not working. It hasn't been working for a decade now. What this generation needs is, yeah, if they are uh, a part of this creative um, generation of kids that are growing up, mm-hmm. let's give them a framework. Let's give them the right framework in which to create. Let's give them the gospel to focus on. Let's give them God's word as the truth to look to. And then let's come alongside them and let's do things with them as opposed to just entertaining them and doing things for them. Mm-hmm. And that's really my point is a lot of kids I'm seeing in churches now, they, are, they, they, they really don't care about being entertained anymore. If they can be a part of creating the entertainment, yes, they might be involved. But more than anything, these kids are facing all kinds of issues. They're being bombarded every single day with all kinds of challenges. Uh, they're saying about this generation that they are full of pain, they're full of hurt. They are looking for real answers. And if we just keep on standing on a platform telling them what they need to know, let's be honest, that doesn't work anymore. We need to get off the platform. We need to get down into the trenches of their lives. We need to listen, learn, and understand what they live and breathe for right now and meet them there. Kind of like Paul did with the Athenians, even though they were creating their own gods, even though they were creating the wrong gods, he met them in the place where they met, mm-hmm. and then he said to them, "Look, I see that you are, you know, incredibly religious, and I, you know, I feel these statues and these these idols that you have. But let me tell you about this unknown God that you that I've seen here. Well, in a similar way, when we get into the trenches of the lives of the kids, when we listen and we learn, we understand what their needs are, what they live and breathe for, and then we say to them, "Hey, look, I think." What you're looking for is Jesus. I think what you're looking for is truth. Now, it's going to take us a while to get there because you're in this trench right now. You've been bombarded with all kinds of stuff. But let's walk through this together and let's get out of this trench and let's start to peek over the top and start to see the true living God who can transform you and change your life. Well, I think one of the... Getting off of that platform first. Yeah. I think one of the uh, important things, and you mentioned it in your book, is the need for a true vision. The Bible says Mm. that without vision, the people perish. And quite frankly, I do not believe, uh, having pastored for 35 years myself, having been a trial lawyer uh, for 20 years in California, uh, 80% of my clientele coming from the broader body of Christ, having... Mm. uh, Uh, spoken throughout the country, up and down, uh, talking about marriage, talking about children, talking about fathering, 
what I've discovered is that uh, there really is no meaningful vision for parenting. And uh, right. grandparents don't have the vision, the parents don't have the vision, and then they think, they have this idea that they can delegate their responsibility as a parent to a youth pastor, to the pastor, to a youth group, to the school. Uh, and the problem is that from God's viewpoint, parenting and spiritual leadership is a non-delegatable duty. You can't delegate it. It is not delegatable. And uh, so we've got to restore a kingdom vision for parenting. And if there's ever a time that that must happen, it is now if we're on the near edge of the second coming, which people increasingly believe is true, and so do I. Now, the book, friends, the Family Ministry Playbook for Partnering with Parents, uh, $15 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org that's saveus.org also on chuck's website listen to chuck's viewpoint broadcast listen to the archives maybe you missed a program check it out at saveus.org also there are some great resources hospitality information also information about marriage divorce and remarriage newsletters articles prophecy Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. How can we gain a vision, a godly kingdom vision for parenting and grandparenting in perilous times? That's the question we want to approach here in the second half of our program with our special guest, Phil Bill, with his glorious, wondrous heartwarming UK brogue. What a British gift you are to us. Uh, my concern, though, Phil, is that the mother country is not setting a very good example for us, for our children. No, it's hey. interesting. I grew, I grew up in the UK, and uh, uh, I grew up outside of the church, and uh, it seems to have gone from, um, from bad to worse, honestly, if I'm, if I'm straightforward. Yeah, and they're getting worse and worse, aren't they, if, that's, if that was good English? <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I could probably get away with bad English because of my accent, but I'm not sure that you can. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's I had to confess that it was bad English. So in anyway, um, <clears throat> let's get back to this business of, of vision. Mm. And this this requires that we be truly willing to understand things from God's viewpoint. You know, the title of this program is Viewpoint, and we say regularly that viewpoint determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. And it's true regarding any issue in our life, including parenting. There are no neutral viewpoints. So what would God's viewpoint be concerning parenting? What does he expect of us? Well, we certainly uh, get some ideas right there in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, I think, 
Uh, we also get some ideas, uh, train up a child in the way he should go and so on. Uh, but what does that mean? The devil's always in the details, and so is the truth. So help us to understand this. Well, the, you know, the great news is, is, you know, if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, um, you know, earlier on you, you talked about how, you know, we are in desperate times, mm-hmm. and we certainly are. I absolutely agree. When we, when we arrive in this place in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, if you think about what's just gone before, you know, they, they have almost, Moses has had to do an almighty reset with the people here to get them back on track, to get them on the right path. All right, so this they're, isn't they're, the global reset that the World Economic Forum is talking about. Oh, this is not, nothing to do with that at all, <laughs> no, no. Let's be clear, let's be clear. Okay. But, um, so there's a reset that has to happen here, and and I think we as 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 parents, we as grandparents, as church leaders, as people that get to be around kids and children, we have a great passage here to look to as a frame of reference for our vision for a reaching the next generation for Christ. And and the first thing I want to start with here is in 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 verse four of Deuteronomy six, it says, "Hear, O Israel." And I just want to point out that you know. When we look at this passage, it's interesting. He doesn't start with saying, you know, parents. He doesn't say church leaders. He doesn't say youth pastors, um, if he could have said that, if there was such a thing at the time. But he starts with, hear, O Israel. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to point out that when we think about reaching the next generation to Christ, um, we shouldn't be delegating. We shouldn't be leaving it to someone else. But what we should be doing is realizing that he calls us as the body of Christ, as a church community, um, think about that, that that child or that student that is in your church. It is everyone's job in that faith community to think about what they can do to reach, to invest in, to love, to nurture, to encourage that child or student in your church to be finding Jesus and growing in the ways of Jesus. So, so the way the way that uh, the church the way that professing Christians behave, whether or not uh, their profession of faith is revealed in their walk of righteousness Mm -hmm. and integrity and honesty and truth and love and all of those things Mm -hmm. uh, that are characteristic of the Christian life. If, if those things are not there, then in reality, we actually are not discipling our children for a kingdom destiny. We're actually assisting the enemy of their souls in destroying them with hypocrisy. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and I'm so glad you said that because, you know, the very next part of this passage is, you know, the Lord our God, the Lord is is one, and you must love the Lord with all your heart. You must, we must, you know, everybody who's reading this passage, as we try to think about reaching the next generation for Christ, Mm -hmm. it begins with us. It begins with you and I, Chuck. Yes. Um, our heart has to be right, and we need to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to God's commands. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, and just think you talk about Paul the Apostle here, you know, in Philippians chapter 4, he says something like, you know, put into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on and he says, and the God of peace will be with you. But if you imagine... At the time, you know, you had this incredible apostle of Christ, and, and he was obviously teaching them things, but there were things that they received from him by seeing his example. Again, if you look at First Timothy, when Paul says, you know, 
so that everyone may see your pro- progress. He says, don't do not let anybody look down on you because you're young, but be an example yes. to the believers in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, in your purity, etc., etc. So it's so important, Chuck, for you and I. Um, we can't be looking to everybody else's walk. We've got to look at our own walk with God first. Exactly. And it starts with us. And it's the example of faith that is core often rather than taught to the kids that we are reaching. For the well, the Apostle Paul Christ. said, follow me as I follow Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is the key thing here. As, as I meet with parents, when parents say to me, what's the best thing I can do to help my kids, you know, to navigate through these problems? Now, what's the best thing I can do? And I say, well, well first of all, m- make sure that you have your walk with God um, headed in the right direction. I say to parents, look, no one expects you to be perfect. You are not going to be perfect parents. But it's about progress. As you follow Christ, your kids will often be close to your orbit, your spiritual orbit. And so the best thing I think we can do, first of all, is to have that that walk with Christ that is pursuing him, that is growing in his word, that is faithful in prayer, that is not non-ceasing in prayer, um, that is listening to God's nudgings by his Holy Spirit. Right. Those are the things that we need to be doing. So and what, I think when our kids see that, that is the thing that speaks the loudest to them. I agree. So what if the parent or grandparent is uh, in front of the children basically dissing the word of God in whole or in mm. part, uh, God says, uh, Jesus says, for instance, uh, whoever uh, uh, commits, uh, leaves his wife, divorces his spouse, has committed adultery, and whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. And the parent says, I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. What, what does that do for spiritual training for the child? Well, that's a great point you bring up, and I, and I think I'd bring us back to the fact that um, in the life of any any child student that I've seen in the last 20-plus years of, of ministry, is you're going to have incredible influences, and you're also going to have these, these terrible influences. Obviously, so in other words, you know, we're going to influence them for better or for worse. Oh, absolutely. And, All right, and, and we need to recognize that as part of the greater vision, because if we don't, then we get this idea that we can live cavalierly, and it's just uh, K, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Well, I'm just human. Well, I'm just this. Well, I'm just that. Well, you don't know my background. Well, you don't. You see how we make excuses? And in mm-hmm. doing that, we basically are saying, we don't have a vision. Don't hold me accountable. No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, I can't impress upon the listeners enough that um, our kids' faith journey um, is going to, be impacted the most by our faith journey. Mm-hmm. And we cannot be cavalier. We cannot um, think that it doesn't matter. Um, at the same time, you can't put this un, you know, inhuman uh, pressure on yourself to be perfect. Right. That's where it's by the grace of God. That's where we have to um, come to him as we are and repent of that sin for the things that we've been doing, the things that we've done, and the things that we're going to do and live under that grace, but at the same time, seek him uh, with every part of our being and allow him to meet us um, in our troubles. Um, our kids are going to look back, and, and, and I was just talking to my wife about this just yesterday. You know, as a parent, I have so many regrets. 
And I'm sure there are people listening today who have regrets in their life about maybe the way that they've led their kids in the mm -hmm. past. Mm -hmm. But here's what I would say is, if they see uh, the God of this, this universe come into your life and transform you and change you, even though you might have regrets and even though there might be moments when you have done a poor job as a parent, when our kids get to look and see a transformation before their eyes, you, you can't deny that. And, and they see you transformed. And so mm -hmm. even though you might have made a mistake, even though you might have said things that are untrue and ungodly, when they see the God of the universe come in and transform you, that's what's going to really send a message to their heart. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make them lean in. And it's going to make them want to follow what you are following. And so I just want to let parents know, if you're listening to this today, or grandparents, or you know, you might be an uncle or, 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 or a church leader in some capacity, you might feel like you don't have what it takes. You might feel like you've made mistakes. But the God of the universe loves you so much, he's going to shine his light of love down into your life and uncover those rough areas of your life. And he's going to meet you there, and he's going to transform you. And your kids or the people that you are leading in your church are going to watch that and they're going to see something about it that's going to make them lean in. And what is the something? It's Jesus. It's truth. Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit doing a work in you and through you. And that's why it's so important to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, let your uh, light so shine before men that they may right. see your good works. In other words, your life that's consistent with what you say you believe and Absolutely. then follow your father, which is in heaven. And speaking of fathers, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that in more detail with you, the matter of fathers, uh, when we uh, get past this next break. But uh, what you probably did not know is that uh, just a few years ago, I wrote a book called Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving mm -hmm. a Legacy That Lasts. And uh, God has challenged fathers to be the heads and leaders of their home. They are to be the spiritual leaders of their home. They're to lead their wives and their children. But what if a father, a dad defaults? Then what? That's what we want to talk about when we get back. Friends, we're talking with Phil Bill, his book, The Family Ministry Playbook, it's on our website, saveus.org. $15 will put it in your hands. And I'm going to make a special offer to you after this break. I hope you'll stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We used to sing, God of our fathers, who is almighty hand. God of our fathers. Who is the God of our fathers, anyway? Who's your God, Father? Oh, let's not answer that too uh, cavalierly, saying, well, I believe in God. Well, so does the devil. The devil believes in God. So do his demons. So we don't get kudos for believing in God. The only way we can get any kudos is for believing God, not believing in him. Believing him. And that leads us to being fathers and grandfathers that God has called us to be with a good and uh, godly and kingdom vision for raising up sons and daughters. You know, this program right here, Viewpoint, one of the four pillars of this program is Discipling for Destiny. Did you know that's what we're doing right now? We're discipling for destiny. We're discipling you as parents and grandparents for the destiny of your children. And quite frankly, their eternal destiny is in your hands in many respects. Not totally. The Holy Spirit can move upon them, but it is our responsibility to lead them in the way that they should go and to lead them in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's what we're called to do. And if we're not doing that, there's going to be a price to be paid, not just with regard to the life of our kids, but with regard to our accountability before God. And that brings us back to the issue of fathering. We used to say that father knows best. Now we say father knows nothing or is actually to be mocked. mocked. And uh, one leading actress uh, a few years ago appeared on public television and, and said, down with patriarchy. In other words, down with men and down with fatherhood. Really? That's exactly Satan's message, friends. He wants to destroy God's standard for leadership. Men, please hear me. Hero Israel, you and I as men, as fathers and grandfathers, have a serious responsibility before God. And it's getting more serious as the perilous times are becoming more perilous. Phil, do you agree? Absolutely. You know, um, you know you're talking about the actress who made the statement, you know, with patriarchy. I think even before that statement, you know, for many decades, um, you watch the commercials, um, I hate to use this phrase, but it's just full of uh, stupid men, you know, or mm-hmm. um, images or, um, you know, actors playing stupid men who are weak and really just don't know how to, you know, show themselves as, as, mm-hmm. as a, a real man. And so right. that's the message that we see constantly, and I think that's the message that we've seen for decades now. And unfortunately, we we follow that life as men, and we, we tend to stay in the background. And, you know, as a, someone who's worked in the local church for, 20 plus years, when you look at children's ministries, it's usually full of women who are who are leading and, and uh, nurturing and investing in the kids. In other words, the men have abandoned their role, their AWOL in the kingdom. Right, right, absolutely. And and they've brought that message that they don't need to be involved, and, and they've delegated it, you know, to the people that seem to know what they're doing, which is often, you know, the, the, the incredible women who are running these ministries. But one of the things I used to do, Chuck, you know, when uh, you know, when I was doing children's and, and student ministry, particularly in the children's ministry, 
would really go after a few key men who were great leaders. Mm-hmm. And if you could recruit those key men into the children's ministry, it wouldn't be long before they would be helping to recruit other men. And, and once a few men got in, they could say, oh, actually, I can do this. And, you know, to give, to give us, us men a little bit of credit, I'll be honest with you, as, as a dad, when I had my first kid, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is quite, <laughs> this is quite scary. And I, I thought I you were the king. I thought you were the penultimate of youth leadership. Well, no, I'm just going to be honest for a moment, you know. Oh, well, it's about time somebody's honest. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's there's fears, there's there's concerns, there's worries. You you know, you just don't know how how kids are going to act. And I think as men, sometimes we don't get involved in kids' lives as much as we could do because there's this fear that they're going to ask us the question or something's going to happen that we don't know how to respond to. So I think that fear combined with a, a culture that is telling us that we don't have a place, it is a combination that's really not a very healthy combination. Yeah. For well, it. I think the greater problem is that the men just don't have a vision. They just don't have a vision, and they don't want to have one. Don't right. want to have one. Uh, and they won't read. They won't read the Bible. They won't read books. I don't. The, more and more, I hear it from men, I don't read. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. So how is that ministering to your children to read the Bible to read good and godly books. How is that ministering to your children? I don't read. What a what an actual abandonment of leadership. It's just amazing to me. Well, I wrote this book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts, because God, in his great mercy as a father, was concerned about the condition of kids in these end times. And so he told Malachi the prophet, the last prophet in the Old Testament, to warn the people. And here's what he said in Malachi chapter 4, that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is the second coming of Christ, where he judges the world in righteousness, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, he will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Do you know that that's the next to last message that God brings to the earth before Christ comes? Mm. The last message is in Revelation chapter 14, uh, along about verse 4 or 5, where it's brought by an angel who says, Fear God, glorify him, and worship him that made heaven and earth, and then the judgment comes. It's amazing. And uh, so this matter of fatherhood is huge, from God's viewpoint, mm. and that's the only viewpoint that matters, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I think that, um, you know, when we think about the impact and the legacy we can have as fathers, um, when we start to see uh, our ability to shape our children, when we can have a vision for what the future can look like for them, I think that does make us lean in to read, to learn, to discover the truth. But it's not until we, we have that vision um, for fatherhood that, that we start to take these steps. Um, let me just, you know, rather than give you um, a specific vision, let me just tell you a, just a quick story here. And, and then anybody listening, I hope this will be a snapshot of a vision of what your future could look like um, um, as a father or as a youth leader or someone in your community who has the ability to invest in kids and children. So I was growing up as a kid um, in in the London area. My family never went to church. Um, I never had 
any inkling to go to church, quite honestly, until a friend invited me to go to a youth, uh, a, you know, a youth a retreat and uh, then start coming to the youth group on a regular basis. My mum and dad were not Christians, and so, I, you know, in some sense, if you want to look at it this way, I had no father who was there to spiritually raise me. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that, that every young man and every young woman needs to look to someone who is leading, who is, who is, um, who is doing something different, who is authentic, who's real. And so I met people like John Powell, Patrick Corgan, Roger Gammon, uh, these are just three men I can name, uh, who were part of this youth ministry, who weren't my dad, but they were walking the walk, um, they were following Christ closely, they weren't perfect, but they were real and they took time to get to know me, they got time to get to know what I liked, uh, what, what, what got me up in the morning, uh, they got to know me in my worst moments too, you know, but these guys made an investment in me, and as they came alongside me, over a period of four years, I, I've been hearing the message. I've been seeing their war, and I saw that it was different. Uh, eventually, after about four years, they invited me to come to a youth leaders conven- uh, convention to learn about working with kids, even before I was a Christian. Oh. Um, and, and it was at this youth workers convention that all the pieces come together, and I accepted Christ. And, and at the time, I didn't realize it, but really God was calling me into full-time ministry at the time there. Mm. But I, I tell you this story because um, there might be people, um, sorry, there might be children and kids who maybe don't have a father. You mentioned earlier on that. What about you know people who uh, who have abandoned uh, mm. their kids? Well, if, if you're a man listening to this today, and you're seeing kids in your community, and you're seeing kids in your youth ministries and children's ministries in your church, who's Dads are not present. Whose dads have abandoned the faith? Even um, I want to. I want you to think about Phil Bell, at the age of fourteen, who went to this youth group, and because of John Powell, Patrick Gorgon, and Roger Gammon, these three godly men who invested in me, it's because of their investment that I got to glimpse and then got to see Christ, and then got to follow Christ, and they were the guys that led me to Him, and. I, I want to ask you to, to think about what could your life look like if you were to invest in the children and kids in your community, in your church, mm. even when the dad has stepped away and has abandoned their role as father. That's where the here, oh, Israel piece comes into play. Mm-hmm. If, if, if dads have abandoned their role, that's where we as men and as women have to step in and be the family to those kids to raise them to reach them to be the next generation of kids who are following Jesus. And so I want to give you that picture, but I also want to give you this picture. I started my walk with Christ at 18, and it was because of these three men that led me to Christ, and obviously mm. it was because of God using them, of course. It was God, God gets the glory. But now here I am as a dad of three wonderful kids. It's very challenging. As you heard me say earlier on, I've, I have regrets. I, I, I haven't had uh, that experience to look back on of getting it all right from having a dad that raised me spiritually. But here's what I can tell you. For dads who feel like you, you're listening today and you're thinking, oh, I haven't got it quite right. Um, God can work with you. God can use you. And God can use you to leave a legacy 
of faith in your kids' life, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you haven't quite got it right up until now. And and you're listening to this today, and I'm sure that the Holy Spirit is nudging you, knowing that there's more you can do. And mm-hmm. you can simply start by looking at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and it says, taking the moments in your kids' life. Uh, even if you don't know where to start, just look at that passage. And it's about when you lay down and when you get up. It's about hanging hanging these messages around the door frames of, of your of your family, it says. But literally, like, having these moments mm-hmm. where you can have these teachable moments with your kids. Right. And going on that journey of faith with them. And so that's the picture I want your listeners to get today is you, you have the ability to be the family to these kids whose dads have walked away from the faith or have abandoned their role. Or you as a dad have the ability now to step into your kids' lives and in those teachable moments yeah. to make a difference at home, right. on the road, in at bedtime and in the morning. And the reality is today is the first day of the rest of your life. Absolutely. Today is Absolutely. the first day, my friend, of the rest of yeah. your life. Now, here's my special offer to you. Uh, as I mentioned, I have a book called Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's a $23 book, hardbound book, and it's designed not to teach you how to play with your kids, but to teach you how to become a spiritual leader and to have that vision. How do you do it? And it, it talks directly to men in language that we can understand, even using financial illustrations for investment. Do you know that of all the books that have been sold, two-thirds of those have been purchased by women? Now, why do you think that is, friend? It's because Mm -hmm. our wives, the mothers of our children, are desperate for their Mm -hmm. husbands and the fathers of the kids to stand up and be a godly leader. That's the cry of their Mm -hmm. heart. So, as we see Father's Day approaching here, get a copy of that book. We've been offering it for this week for your gift of $15 to Save America Ministries. Now, with regard to our guest, Phil Bill, and his book, The Family Ministry Playbook, that's a $15 book. If you get both of those books, Parts of the Fathers of the Family Ministry Playbook, then... The postage handling will be reduced by $3. It'll be a total of $7 instead of $5 per book. So you'll save an additional $3. We have never, ever, ever offered Hearts of the Fathers for a price that low. What a gift. What a gift it would make for Father's Day. Both of these books combined. These are perilous times, friends. Perilous times for parenting. Let's be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Our kids are waiting. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.